Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and we're back with another episode, and I'll be honest, I'm not sure where in the timeline this is going to drop. Um, it's summer and I'm off from my job, so I've been recording, um, but I don't know, if something more pressing comes up, this might show up earlier or later. We'll see. Uh, just because right now I've got a surplus of, uh, of episodes, which is a nice place to be. Um, and I'll be straight up. This is also prompted by uh, just random thoughts while out and about and trying to uh, move away some uh, move away from some anxious and less fun energy. Um, so I'm trying to repurpose the energy in a positive way. And the the title of this episode is kind of nebulous. We'll see if this becomes uh, a topic I revisit, maybe a new sub-series. Um, so this is, as you can see by the title, it's it's Where Should They Go? Um, and we're looking at the a question that, frankly, should be asked anytime a, a movie sequel is, is going to be made, if, if, if this is going to be part of a franchise kind of thing. Um, it should be asked because you, you need to know where, where you're going. Um, and if there, if there's a story there, if there's a story that fits the material that you're going for, and if it doesn't, then repurposing it. Um, and I want to look at a couple different franchises because I think a number of them are in a very, very similar position. Um, some are very far off, and I might be like, yeah, there is a place for this to go. And then others, others not so much, or hey, there could be, but then there could also be this thing. So let's just let's just dive right in. And the main franchises that we're we're wondering where they should go is uh James Bond, Jurassic, and Halloween. And I'm also going to reference uh, reference Jaws, um, and for for uh, you could argue Indiana Jones, um, even though I haven't seen the latest one, um, I didn't hear many good things. And I think it's I think these are all in precarious positions, um, not only because the last movie of each of those, um, each of those main three weren't the best received not like not that they were awfully received yeah not that they were awfully received um or flops by any means um all three were financially successful um and all three do have their ardent supporters um but all three were also um the specified end uh, for their for their stories, or at least their portions of it, um, and you can debate how well or unwell those those stories were executed. But that's what I mean. They were intended to be the 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 final part of it. Um, Jurassic, evidently, they were like, "Hey, this is a trilogy." in a loose sense. Uh, there's not necessarily a through line through all of them, aside from some returning characters who got switched traits numerous times and they never really explain stuff. Um, 
And then with Halloween Ends, it was, it's building up to the showdown of Lori and Michael. And it's, it's that, even though we're going to do another potentially more interesting story in the first half of the movie that doesn't pay off. And they just kind of ended to get to where the franchise was, uh, what the buildup was to. And then Bond 25, No Time to Die, was set um, to be like the final Bond for Craig. Um, and it's in a way an issue that that iteration of Bond had. Because um, Bond in the past had been recast numerous times. Um and there was enough of an understanding where we're like, yeah, this is the same franchise. Um, few have direct sequels. There are some callbacks. Um, but there was enough to be like, yeah, no, we're, we're on board with a new person just being Bond here. Um, but with the Daniel Craig era of Bond films, they were like, no, this is James Bond. This person this particular character. Um, and we can't, they made it so entrenched that you can't just simply recast the man. And then No Time to Die, spoilers for a two-year-old movie, um, like Bond dies at the end. So that's the finite point. Um, but since we are in the era of uh, IP and franchises, of course, there's conversations about these franchises continuing. There's a profit to be had. <laughs> and it's just the question of, if you're going to continue it, how? Um, how are you going to do that? And how are you going to make it worthwhile? Um, where can it go? These 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 factors need to be decided um a story and a plan needs to be in place if you are going to continue a franchise um and too many franchises heck star wars is unfortunately a great example um where it's like oh well we'll figure it out along the way that hadn't ever been star wars's mo um and this isn't to beat up on the on the sequels, because um, that's its own conversation and there's so many factors in it. But one of the main things is that there wasn't a structured plan of where are you, where are you taking this? Um, Halloween just had a financially successful and relatively critically successful previous three entries. Um, and if it can be done cheaply it's going to make money. So of course they're going to make more, um, bond, say what you will about the, the Craig films. I argue there's more that are bad than good. Um, and stuff in certain ones undoes the good from the good ones a bit. Um, but where it were bonds at that clean slate start Jurassic though, very successful. It's like, okay, dinosaurs are out in the world now and they are coexisting with humans and animals. Where do you go from there? So that's the thing. That is actually the thing. Um, where should this franchise go? Where should these franchises go? 
should they continue? Should there be a long break, which comes with some risks? Um, it's one of those things where absence can make the heart grow fonder, but also um, when something's successful, you're like, hey, we want to capitalize on it while it's still in the zeitgeist, while it's still popular, uh, because trends and interests, especially when you're catering to wide audi wide audiences change so swiftly. Um, heck, look at how you can see that with how there was uh, the response to the gritty reboot, um, Batman Begins, but then especially Dark Knight success made everybody double down on the, hey, we got to get schnurious and make it dark and gritty. Um, everything's got to be serious and dark and gritty. Um, and then when Iron Man, but then Avengers was successful, it's like, hey, now we got to make everything light and shared universe and all that. And one other franchise has been able to actually get the organic humor and the... Um, the organic storytelling of a shared universe that Marvel had, and I'm looking at the MonsterVerse. Um, so it's, hey, do we strike while the iron's hot? Do we let absence make the heart grow fonder? Uh, do we look at how this last film was received? Or in the case of Halloween, do we look at how many other times we've ended and restarted this franchise and it's got like four or five time loops it's in an interesting spot um and it gets it gets difficult it, it gets difficult so i'm gonna i'm gonna look at those three and then reference some other ones now with halloween you know what yeah i'll start there Halloween is in an interesting place because i think it's got two places it could go. Um, one of them is very straightforward, very easy in a way to get on board with, and it's something that's already happened within, within the franchise itself, where, like, as much as I can enjoy that franchise, and it's got many different timelines, uh, I did an episode about it, I think a year or so ago, about the complicated, like, four or five timelines from Halloween. Um, Halloween 3 was supposed to start the series as an anthology series, um, where it might be loosely connected, but it was the idea of occultish, scary things, what have you, not even necessarily occultish, but some of that um, taking place on Halloween, just looking at some of the lores and other things around that that day that holiday whatever you want to call it um and exploring that in in a film and there's so much to mine there where you're like that's interesting and then you don't have to have one reoccurring killer or characters where at points people are going to want uh more information about them like when you boil down the first halloween it's a great miss and it's not even a mystery, but it's a little boy in suburban Chicago in the seventies in a middle-class family who for no reason snaps and kills his sister and, and potentially her boyfriend. Uh, and then he's institutionalized, but then 
years later escapes and goes on a killing spree. And no explanation is ever given for the why. And that was part of the terrifying nature of it. But it was also very, very simple. Um, and I still think there could even be room for it being like the blood relative, because then it's something, but it also, you don't need to make that the only motivation. Um, even though within the Halloween communities, there's fans of, say, the Thorn trilogy, which is Halloween's four through six, um, it really bog got everything bogged down um, into the Michael was only trying to kill like his bloodline and everybody else around them was just the bait um, so he could kill his bloodline. Uh, and then you find out it's because uh, druidic cult shenanigans um, and curses and all that. And you're going to lose people. You're going to lose people. And, and they did like Halloween four through six were had continuous production problems, also continuously made less money and had and attracted less of the fan base. And that's why Halloween H2O was like, you know what, screw it, we're going to throw them out. Even though they could have grouped it in, as I talked about in that Halloween episode, um, you could have grouped it in while still moving away from the Thorn stuff. It's still like, man, we got so bogged down. Like, why, do, why did we bother? Um you got to be willing to do something, something different. Uh, Cause the thing is people, and there's an excellent book, an excellent book um, about unmade Halloween sequels and the production of the Halloween movies. Uh, taking shape is about the production. And then taking shape two is about virtually every unmade sequel that got to an actual pitch stage. Uh, so something that actually was officially on track and not just fan rumors. Um, and there are some really interesting ideas there, but it's it's like, hey, this is how like how you could do this, where you don't have to have a lorry, you don't have to have it be, they're always blood relatives. Um, there's other ways. Now, if you want to like that, that involves more work, um, and there's chances of people not getting on board. But if you do the Halloween three approach, where you're just you're modeling it off of Halloween three, where it's like, this is an anthology series. It might be Hallow that we might get to another Halloween two, but it's not involving Michael Myers. And it's not even necessarily a direct sequel to Halloween one. Um, the anthology series could be a great way to go for this franchise. Cause it, it, it's a nice clean break and it allows you to have things loosely connected. It could be in the same world as long as not every sequel has like world ending events. Um, and reference stuff, but it, it gives a nice onboarding point, offboarding point. Uh, you don't have to worry about the through line as much. Um, there was at one point, um, after zombies, after zombies, Halloween, um, after Halloween two, his, his Halloween two ended, um, there was going to be a, there was a pitch and a lot of this is discussed in the, the taking shape Two uh, book, the, the lost Halloween sequels. Um, so this was going to be in a way, a, a reboot trilogy um, that starts very small and then gets very, very big. Um, which I know I just talked on 
talk down in a way, or you could argue I talk down on things getting needlessly overcomplicated uh, with the Halloween franchise, because that's fair, because um, at points it did. Um, heck, it happened after Resurrection, because of where they were at after H2O. Um, Resurrection's just... would have been good. It would You'd need drastic changes, and in a weird way it was before its time. Um, which I never thought I'd compliment that movie for. But anyways, that's a that's a different conversation. Um, the concept was before its time. The execution was terrible. So this one, it would have been by... Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find the guy's name. Um, so writer Steph Hutchinson, um, who had penned Halloween comics, um, was approached, and he proposed a dark trilogy that that totally reimagined um, the series and then introduced it, uh, introduced the idea of it being multiversal. Which, again, when we're coming from franchise where the OG movie had the simple concept of a child snapping and nobody knowing why, um, get eventually numerous times getting needlessly bogged down, um, you're like, what? But what I liked with this idea was it would slowly get there. You'd get you'd get references to the wider uh, darkness and the the broader strokes in the first film. The second film would get more into that supernatural, and then the third film would go really into it. But the basic idea of it was like that Loomis uh, and that reality's um, Michael didn't even have the name, the name Michael Myers. Like it was more so he was this evil entity known as the shape, but it was finding out like, hey, there is a like this is one of many universes um, and it connects like that, like this is just. I'm one of many Loomises. This is one of many shapes. And it would have shown clips, uh, clips of the various timelines. And what I liked with that and why that could be in a weird way, although you're like, man, this in a way is going to be a tough sell to get here. And I can understand why it might not be wanted to go. And I, I heck, I can even think of friends who would be like, no, this is dumb. And I, I get it. But at the same point, if you look at, say, if you're looking at Halloween, even though it's a franchise that has had, like, it's got four timelines and it's it's had reboot pulls and ignorings and all that, there are a large section of dedicated fans to each of the timelines. There are. Um, as much as, say, I might not enjoy the Rob Zombie Halloweens, there are a large section of hardcore dedicated fans to that version of the franchise. And what this idea, um, this idea of the three movies, and it was going to be ri uh, dubbed Rise of the Boogeyman, uh, The Witching Hour, and The Fires of S uh, Samhain, um, it, the idea with that is it could, that three would end with that that story being done, like the story of those three, those three movies being finished, but ending it with establishing a multiverse, 
um, it gives you the it gives you the no way home uh, springboard. Um, that way, if there's a director who wants to do a Halloween movie that continues on um, from Halloween Six, you can now. You've got the springboard. You could easily be like, this is in that universe. You've got a chart. You've got a piece of paper as a studio that you can easily point to and be like, this continues this one. And we don't have to do all the legwork now to explain why we're, say, doing in 2024, we're doing a sequel to Halloween 6. But then in 2027, we're doing a sequel in the Rob Zombie timeline or whatever it gives you it gives the franchise a way to breathe and access and continue on stories from everything um in a weird way it's like you got to be needlessly complicated arguably but to get to the most freedom um where it might because it's interesting when we're talking clean slates so many franchises when they're like oh, we're doing the straight up reboot it ends up being a slave to the original um tr the the trek uh kelvin timeline films i think are an example of that as much as i enjoy those flicks the first one is the setup movie the second one became a slave to wrath of khan trek beyond was the only one that got to be its own thing within the new timeline and it was dope and i'm really hoping the fourth one comes out um this approach to the to the Halloween one, as much as it's as much as yeah, there's the negative bogging down, it does free up the franchise to continue from numerous points. So it's like, hey, we might have a clean slate, but it's you've got building blocks off of it. And then if a director does want to do something different uh, from the last movie, it's like, hey, you know what? I I don't want to do another Thorn timeline. Uh, I'd like to do so an anthology piece like Halloween 3. You've got that clean slate and you can. Um, so Halloween's in an interesting position, but I think it's got to do something either really big so you can free it up, like th those three, that Unmade 3 trilogy, or the simpler route, and it could be, it could be more straightforward and good, is just going the anthology route. I personally like the bigger idea, just because even though the other movies are what they are, they're still dangling story threads and there's still promise in those stories, even though those executions were flawed, where I'd be like, yeah, I'd like to see someone else take a crack at that story. They could they could make it better. Um, so Halloween's in, an, in that interesting position. Um, Jurassic, there's talks of there being another one. I honestly don't know. Um how to do a sequel to Dominion. Really, really don't. I don't think there is necessarily a, a way to continue that story because uh, we're out in the world now uh, and it's not, unless you're doing an end of the world thing, which where do you go after that? Um, honestly, if dinosaurs and humans are coexisting, where is there to go? Um, what I would like from Jurassic is not, a re uh, not a reboot or a remake um cuz i love the original film i think it's a fantastic film i'd love i i think the future for the franchise should be as a streaming service 
um, miniseries, two of them. Um, and it should be a more faithful adaptation of Jurassic Park and The Lost World, both of which I just listened to. Um, I a thousand percent understand the changes this, that Spielberg made from the book to the film. Um, and that book was darker. It would be an R rating for numerous reasons. Um, and it also did get very, very hockey and heavy, but it's fascinating for it. Um, and if you do, I think if you did like a mini series where if you look at the book, you could figure out, Hey, we can do this story in six episodes, seven episodes, as long as it fits the story and you're not doing too much filler. I honestly believe the, the Jurassic Park book would make an excellent high production series. Um, and it's different enough that if you toss on the title, if you just call it Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park, that differentiates it enough. The characters in the book are similar, but very different as well from the film that it won't be like, oh, you have to get Sam Neill and he's he's old now. Like Alan Grant in the book is is quite different from Alan Grant in the movie, even though it's still like, no, that's Alan Grant in the movie. I'm not looking at a character that just has the name Alan Grant and has nothing to do with the book I've read. Um, I think you could do an excellent series based off of that book. Uh, and then its sequel is also really, really good. They're also small in scope in comparison to where the films have gone. And the other nice thing with that is it gives you a chance to figure out like, look, do we continue this as a film franchise? Does this need to be an ongoing franchise? Cause that's the other thing. Do many films need to become franchises? Do they need to be the Marvel method? Cause Marvel makes sense to have more and more movies because they have a plethora of characters that cover so many different spots and stories. And Star Wars is in a similar position to Marvel where there is enough and a big enough galaxy that you can get away from just doing Skywalker stuff. Jurassic, at its core, is like, hey, this was a story about man's hubris in bringing back dinosaurs and eventually finding the potential catastrophic results. That doesn't lend itself to a ongoing story. So if it does continue, I hope they do go the show route. Um, I on That's the only thing I can think of. Because um, honestly, if you're going to reboot it, what's the point? How are you going to make that story beyond that original and then make it make sense to keep going? Um, so that's where, that's where I hope it goes. Uh, sorry if this seems, this, this seems a little bit random. Uh, I'm also full disclosure. Um, I ran out of my ADHD medication a while ago, uh, and I only got it just this past weekend. Um, so I'm readjusting to being back on it and it's taking a little bit of time where I'm a still a little bit scatterbrained. So if you're noticing some weird energy, that's what's informing it. Um, yeah, I would love a series based on the book. Um, I enjoy the Jurassic franchise, although the highs for me were, uh, Jurassic Lost World and the original Jurassic World, even though as much as fun as that movie is, 
in my opinion, it is a step down uh, from Jurassic and the the Lost World. Um, if it's going to continue as a as a film series, they got to have a roadmap, and it's got to make sense. And I'm just not sure the story that's originally there lends itself to it. So then it should be, hey, maybe don't make this if it, if the story doesn't make sense with the branding, then come up with a new story. Um, maybe this doesn't need to be a ongoing series. So now we're at Bond. Um, and Bond is at a tricky position. Um, because they really, I, I really don't think, No Time to Die, I didn't love, um, for, for many reasons. And not that it's the worst of the Bond movies, far from it, but it had a lot of issues. And it was an example to me of aping off of other, other movies. Um, Bond's in an interesting position now, because when you look at the Craig films, um, Quantum was the stand-in for Spectre, because Eon did not have the rights to use Spectre. Um, and then Skyfall was a juggernaut. Not perfect, but it was a juggernaut. And it's a very, very enjoyable, enjoyable film. Um, then Spectre came, <laughs> where it's like, hey, we got the rights. Um, but now we're now we're gonna say like Blofeld was the mastermind behind everything, and Blofeld's Bond's big bad, and he's Bond's Joker. Where that's not necessarily the case. He doesn't need to be. And then, of course, in No Time to Die, it's like these intersection, these these scenes where they're interacting and the slow buildup that's not earned. Um, it's the movie saying like, oh, this is a big moment. And, and they're lifelong enemies where it's like, they've interacted on screen for 30 minutes over two movies. This character is one movie old. You shoehorned him in. You told us he was a big deal, even though it was like him being the boss of everybody, including Silva in Skyfall, whose whole point was not to have bosses. So you've completely undercut the best villain from these three, the last three movies. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of showing and trying to say, but not earning uh, that relationship wasn't earned. The reverence they were trying to treat it with wasn't earned because it wasn't established. I'm not trying to do this in a no time to die rant, but we're clearly at the point where at the end of Spectre and Craig was then saying, I'm not coming back. You were still at the reboot point. You were still there because that franchise, that iteration of Bond had gone out of the way to be like, this is Bond. Like this Daniel Craig is Bond. We can't just suddenly recast him with Idris Elba in the next one and have it be the same story because they'd gone so hard on that. So we're in the position that we were at the end of Spectre now after No Time to Die but then also, this has told this uh, No Time to Die told the story of Bond dying, which is one of the areas that the franchise could still go to. But where do you go after that? We're back at the reboot again. But 
what else is there to do with Bond? And I think it's the question of what else is there to do with Bond in the modern world? Uh, I was listening to the excellent Bondzilla podcast. I really, really enjoy that podcast. They've been on a hiatus for a while, but I, I had to shout them out. Uh, if you want to get into a really cool deep dive on two very different franchises in Bond and Godzilla and learning about the behind the scenes um, issues and productions and all that, excellent podcast. Um, very fun listen. I highly recommend it. Um they briefly mentioned, because uh, I listened to the GoldenEye episode, Bond was kind of in a similar spot at the end of the, the Dalton era in 89 after the rights uh, issues and MGM going bankrupt and all that. There was the gap between um, whatever Dalton's last flick was in GoldenEye. Um, and they were like, we're going to, are we going to continue with Dalton? Should we just reboot the franchise? But it, it slotted in easily enough where it was still established, like from the other ones, like, hey, even though this is a different James Bond, you can reference stuff that happened before. Um, so Goldeneye was in a good spot to do so. But the thing with the Bond movies, since they've come out, it, and it was a thing within Goldeneye, they were like, we've got to make it the modern bond like we got to get out of the trappings of stuff we've still been doing from the 60s when we started this um through now um and goldeneye which i know it has its reverence in the franchise i don't think it holds up as well it's fun but it's also very much a 90s action movie <laughs> there's an audience for that and it can be fun it's not necessarily the best for Bond. Um, like, it was, they're like, we got it, we got to modernize it. It was briefly suggested, though, that they're like, what if we go back and make it a, like, make it a period piece, like set it in the 60s. And that could be the way to go. Um, if only because it limits the tech it limits the uh number of the trappings that the franchise has fallen into repeatedly um like technology getting too advanced um everybody worrying about um emps because seriously look at the bond franchise and so many of them from the 70s onward goldeneye included were about like oh it's a satellite and it's an emp and it's going to send us back to the dark ages um, it gets us away from some of the convenience and stuff in modern Bond flicks. Um, you don't have to do a Mission Impossible style face replacing thing, which they I don't think they've done in any of the Bonds yet, but it could. You could conceivably get there. Um, doing it as a period piece limits a lot of the tech you can do, but it can also give you a bit more of a narrow focus. And then also it can make more sense for the spy espionage stuff where it's like, hey, the KGB is a thing. We're post-World War II. Um, people, even though there's unity, there's at in certain spots a push to isolation and we're all hiding our secrets. <laughs> I think there's fertile ground there. And it gives you enough of a spot 
to figure out like, hey, if we continue after this, are we are we going to go more modern again? It gives a bit of a a confined space and a good starting point where heck, if you heck, you could even take it back to the 60s and then not the X-Men uh apocalypse first class um that route where it's decade humping uh, uh, <laughs> decade humping I meant jumping, uh, decade jumping every flick, but still you could do two or three movies set in a specific decade. Um, what were the issues of that decade? How would Bond interact in there? It can give a bit of a narrower focus. Um, and then also you can do a thing where if the fourth in that is moving forward five or 10 years, then we can potentially recast um, and have it be that floating timeline with the character again, just in a more narrow timeline without all the trappings of modern tech and stuff. Um, I think that could be where it goes, because, of course, the conversation is fun. Like, who should be the next Bond? And unfortunately, it's probably not going to be Idris Elba. Um, my personal pick would be Michael Fassbender. Um, if you watch X as bad as those x-men first class movies got um some of them were really good and the arguably to me the best part about them was always fastbender's performance dude has range he can be charming he can be suave he can be a deadly killer bond is all those things um of course many other people have pointed out henry cavill i love the idea as well um he i think would have that connery uh, charm and that rugged, rugged, good look beefcakeness that Bond had in those times. Um, and he could be a Bond with a dope mustache. So, as, as as fun as that conversation is, like who could be Bond? Um, I, I'm more curious. Like, okay, but what's what's the story going to be? And how are we not going to get to where we're at now, where it's again we're rebooting, rebooting the franchise? Um, and at Goldeneye, they were like thinking like, should this just be done? Should this be a relic of its time? And that could be fair. But then it's like, Hey, if you're going to do a relic of, if you're going to do a character that is a relic of the time it was in, remake the time it was in. Um, and heck you could even address some of the shortfalls of that character and the bad attitudes of the time but do it in a way that still positively references what came before. Because there was a lot of bad there, but there was also some good stuff in those, those earlier Bond flicks. And then it's like, hey, we can revisit that, but get away from some of those trappings. All of those franchises are in interesting positions where they're clearly going to continue. But I think they need a roadmap. Um, thankfully, in some cases, I think, studios outside of the strike stuff, which I, there's so much for them to learn from that. And I hope they will. Um, like the early two thousands, the 2001 through 2010, I'd say there were two crazes going on. Um, the, the gritty reboot and then the remake where it was like, we're remaking everything. Cause it like, 
We ran the franchise into the ground, and there's a profit to be had. And you especially saw this in the horror franchise. Um, heck, you, like Halloween's one of the biggest slasher flicks. Um, but and it, it got a remake in that time. There were another two that got remakes during that time. Uh, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Both of those were franchises that eclipsed and were going on concurrently with Halloween. And those three stayed in the theater because many horror franchises in the 80s and 90s eventually were straight to video. Um, but where is there to go with it? I actually re recently rewatched the uh, the Friday the 13th remake. It's not perfect by any means. Um, but there is an enjoyable flick there and there's some really, really cool stuff in it. And then there's other stuff where it's like, well, this is a Friday the 13th. This is what the fans are expecting. And there's a fine line to go where you're like, how do you know what you're in, what came before, but you can't keep doing what came before because even though there's a fan, a, a fan base that enjoyed it, if there's large sums of money going into this, it's got to make a profit, and those other ones stopped making profits. As much as, say, Jason X has a devoted fan base that are, like, loving on that flick. Um, and it, if you're not aware, Jason X is the one where Jason went into space. Um, <laughs> where the hell do you go after that? Um, like, seriously, where, where do you go? Um, and when you look at the trappings of that franchise that they double down on and all that there's, if you keep emulating that the wider audience that you want, because you want to make money out of this as much as the motivators should be good art, good story. Um, of course you want to make a profit. <laughs> like, of course you do. You got to have a plan to mind. Um, where as as much as I might enjoy aspects of uh, the Friday the Thirteenth uh, reboot, it also leaned on some of the trappings of the earlier ones a little too much. Um, so it was like, where where do you go? So you got to figure that out. How can you make it new while still being true? And if you can't, then then you shouldn't. So that's a franchise where I'd be like, look, unless you can unless you can figure out a way to make this engaging, but not keep doing every single thing that you've done before, don't continue it. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the remake, I can't really even compliment it. It was just really, really bad. Um, so some franchises are dead in the water that maybe should be dead. Um, other franchises might need a break for a long time. Um, yeah, I'm going to wrap there, except there is one more. There is there is kind of one more I'm going to say. Every once in a while, uh, of course, the, <laughs> there's the, the conversation you'll see online on fans, never from any studios, um, of like, we should, like, I want a Jaws 5. It's kind of like, really? But then also, you honestly, you honestly could not get worse than Jaws 4. So part of me is like, yeah, why not? Um, I want a good shark movie that has a compelling story that isn't just a shark being a monster. Um, even though in Jaws is a shark being a monster, 
you didn't actively root for the shark to kill characters, <laughs> um, which you do with many modern shark movies. Um, and Jaws, especially in comparison to so many other uh, shark movies after it, just got so big and ridiculous that you're like, I kind of like a grounded one. Um, and it, I think it's in a similar spot to Jurassic Park in a way, um, where if you could, I think, do a show based off of the original book, although unlike Jurassic, um, I would be like, nah, take some of the stuff from the original movie too, because the characters in the original Jaws aren't good people. And like, they're they're likable at points and then unlikable at others. There's a reason Spielberg changed a lot in that movie um, to make the characters more powerful. Because <laughs> in Jaws, you're like, yeah, no, Hooper's awful and Brody's, eh, and his wife is the worst. And Quint is, well, Quint's Quint. Um Robert Shaw brought a lot of likability to quit. <laughs> um, so you could do a hybrid show based off of the book, but with some of the character beats and developments from the movie. But officially, recently, as recent as uh, I think it was 2018, 2019, Spielberg said he's had the idea of Jaws 5. And his idea of doing a second Jaws when he was even going to do potentially Jaws 2 as we talked on Unmade, um, on our Unmade episode about Jaws sequels, he was toying with the idea of doing a prequel, not in a storyline sense where it's like, hey, it's the same shark and that, but it was, it features one of the characters and a shark, so it's it's in that universe, so it's before, so it's a prequel. Um, it was the idea of the USS Indianapolis as told by Quint in his excellent monologue. Um, and that honestly could be the way to go. That really could. Um, it would make sense. I think there would be enough cachet with it where it's Quint, it's Indianapolis, it's Jaws, uh, or it's a, it's a killer shark. There's enough fascinating aspects of the USS Indianapolis story that it could make a good movie on its own. There's been bad movies of it, um, but it could, it could make a good movie of its own. But what Robert Shaw brought to Quint in the original Jaws was a likability where people would, I think, be on board with like, oh, we're doing that. Um, I think there's enough intrigue there and goodwill from the character of Quint um, especially if Spielberg was more involved, that it could get people on board. But Jaws is also a franchise that can easily stay dead. Um, it doesn't need a reboot. And if it, if it ever did get a reboot or a, a, a prequel, I'd be like, it ne that it needs to end there. That is not a story that lends itself to an ongoing franchise. Um, you could do it as an anthology, but that's also never been Jaws. But yeah, that's that's kind of where we are. I know we ended at a in a way a weird spot. Um, but yeah, there's it, it's one thing now I'm asking more and more whenever I see <laughs> like an announcement of a reboot or a remake or something. I'm like, OK, but where is it going to go? 
Because if it's if you don't figure that out, if you don't have the plan, at best, this will be an entertaining movie. But at worst, because with so many of these, it's like, hey, no, we're going to continue off of this. Then you need to actually know where you're going. You need to have the first, second, and how many ever others planned out. So there can be that through line, even if it's a loose through line. Um, it shouldn't just be like, okay, we'll do it, and we're going to launch a new one, and then we'll go from there. Because guess what? We've seen with Terminator that the last three, four times they've planned that, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Um, you need to have a planned through line, and it also needs to be a satisfactory story on its own. Uh, so those are just my thoughts on those four franchises on where they could go. Um, weirdly enough, uh, like I alluded to earlier, No Way Home from Spider-Man, uh, especially with movie with franchises that have these these tangible stringing tie lines, um, that that got me thinking of this as well because I'm like, what's great with No Way Home, and I'm super annoyed that Sony hasn't done this. Is like it left you with, in a way, a clean slate where you could easily have the MCU Spider Man. So Disney can get their money, Sony can get their money, Spider Man fans can get that Spider Man that they love, keeping going. But then also, you've established that there is a multiverse with multiple Spider Man. Hey, Sony, instead of doing a Morbius movie that nobody asked for, or a Raven movie that nobody asked for, or a Mac and movie that nobody asked for, you can easily do a Toby Spidey 4, a Garfield Amazing Spidey 3, and springboard those into other franchises, and you've got your clean starting point. Like, if these things are going to continue, there needs to be a logical reason and an easy, easily acceptable reason. And they got to plan around that. All right, I'm just going to end up going in circles more than I have. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, what are some other franchises you think that there might be fertile ground for them to keep going? Or maybe they shouldn't. Or if it does, it shouldn't necessarily be in the film medium perhaps in video games or comics or strictly books or even mini series. Um, let me know when you're, let me know in the comments or if you send me a message over Instagram. Um, I, I'm fascinated. I'd love to hear. And if you have any ideas of even some of the franchises that I talked about where they could go, let me know. Cause it's fun to talk about these things. Um, I like talking about movies and things and it's, <laughs> Like, that's the bare bones of it. I like talking about it, and I, when it's presented in a conversational way, I enjoy hearing other people's thoughts and perspectives. Um, so I'm going to wrap it there. I did not intend for this to be 50 minutes. So hope you all have a wonderful day. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be safe, stay cool, and God bless, my friends. Peace!